Welcome to Something Different from OU Torah, where we give you something different for your learning day. When I went to summer camp as a child, the director told me that Israel has no need to fear because they have a powerful bomb. Impressed, I asked for more information, and he told me it was the Vidibarta bomb that we say in Shema. Years later, it occurred to me that we also say, Kishabru lachem pen yiftelavavchem. So one might say that the pen is mightier than the sword. In the following shear from the OU's Torah New York, Charlie Harari explains how tefillah is the most powerful weapon in our arsenal and what we can do to take that weapon from good to great. Please enjoy this excerpt from The Efficacy of Jewish Prayer. So I wanted to share with you two stories about my children. Two conversations with two different kids, that's the whole thing. I'll put some meat in between the two buns, but that's the whole game. The first one was with my six-year-old. A few weeks ago, my six-year-old came to me to express his grievances with me as his father. Apparently, I wasn't doing a good enough job. So I asked him what was wrong. He said to me, Daddy, first of all, my brother goes to bed two hours later than me. Do you know how long two hours is in a night, Daddy? When I get home, mommy always bothers me about homework and she never bothers the girls, his older sisters. And whenever I get to eat what I want to eat, you always seem to stop me from enjoying the food that I like. And then he pulls the ultimate six-year-old move, which is the, with the core of the logic of every six-year-old, the three words that are the core of their argument, daddy, it's not fair. In every household across the world right now, there's someone saying that in Israel right now, there's a kid saying, Aval ima, zelofer, right? That's the core. So I tried to explain to my child that the reason why he goes to bed earlier than his brother is because his brother is a decade older than him. And the reason why his sisters don't get bothered is because they actually do their homework. And consuming enough sugar that would kill a small animal would take away one of his greatest, you know, sort of gifts that he has to the world, which is his teeth, and that would be a problem. And I walked away and I thought to myself, isn't that how we daven? But daddy, it's not fair. We turned to the Kurdish Baruch and we got a list. And look at the world from our perspective. This isn't fair. He has more. Why am I suffering? And when finally I have a list of what I want, you seem to get in the way. Somehow Hashem has been placed as the person or the thing that is stopping us from what we want. And sometimes it's even more serious. Sickness. Kal Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael. These are big things. And they're important. But they're based on the vision of, but daddy, it's not fair. But maybe there's another way. Maybe tefillah isn't meant just to be how we see the world from our perspective, and hopefully Hashem will relent His will to our will and give us what we want and how we see the world is supposed to be. But maybe there's another way. And I want to share with you an approach that I heard from Rav Avigdor Nevinsal in Eretz Yisrael, who builds his approach based on the words of the Nefesh Achayim in Sharbez in the 12th parak. It's based on a, a, a pasuk in the Mara Brachas that is, Kol Shem Shemayim Bitsaro. Kofum lo parnasaso. And here's the, here's the approach. If you look about the first time we really had a tzibor that got together to die, the first time someone davened for a tzibor was Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu came out into the world, everything was wonderful, Mat and Torah, and then we started to stumble a little bit. And two times Moshe, Moshe stepped up, 
daven for Kal Yisrael and save the day. And I want to focus on the second one. Jews come in, they're about to get to Eretz Yisrael. Remember the story, God goes, okay, you guys are going to fight. They said, I'm not sure you're, we're Jews. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can negotiate for you, but we're not going to fight, that's for sure. And God goes, no, you'll be fine. And they go in, and they come out. Remember the story of the Miraglim, the Jews come out, and they start to cry. They want to go back to Mitzrayim, disaster. And Moshe goes up, and God has enough of the Jewish people. And Moshe goes up to defend Klal Yisrael. Now, if you were the defense attorney for Klal Yisrael, and you could pick any argument to stand before God and say, Hashem, please don't kill them. What would you go with? Have mercy. They just came out of Mitzrayim. They're scared. They're Jews. They're not fighters. You would, there are hundreds of things he would say. What does Moshe use as his primary defense that saves the day for Klal Yisrael? Moshe says, But Yom Moshe El Hashem. You know what's going to happen? Mitzrayim's going to hear that you raised this nation. You built a Yecholos Hashem, but you couldn't finish the job. You couldn't take him into Eretz Yisrael. You know why you should save Klal Yisrael, Hashem? Because if you don't, this is a PR nightmare for you. Mitzrayim's going to say they couldn't do it. Canaan's going to be upset. And Hashem says, can you imagine? Moshe goes with PR, really? Like Hashem's like, what, anyone in Mitzrayim still likes Hashem after what he went through for a year? Oh no, it's the Kanani. I'm sure the eternal God is scared about the feelings of some Kanani who's got like a lifespan of 30 years. As if like he's, you know, waking up in the morning, looking at the paper and going, oh my gosh, the God of the Hebrews? What a bust. I mean, like I picked him first on my God Fantasy League. Like he didn't even make it through one year. And God goes, you're right. As if PR, because he's got a stock he's got to worry about? Why in the world is Moshe Rabbeinu going with PR as his primary defense for Klai Yisrael? So I'll share one last story, and then I'll conclude. So I was traveling a few months ago, and my wife had a tea. So no one was around to babysit the family. I've got a bunch of kids, which is why I'm here now, and I'll be here all week, by the way, I told my family. And we asked my son, do you mind should coming home early from yeshiva and taking care of the family? He said, no problem. We gave, my wife gave him like a list of things to do. This, go, this kid goes to bed here and there and this and this. And we got baths and showers and homework and watch out for this one. It's a whole, you know, a whole protocols. So my son agrees. He comes back home early from, from yeshiva. So I was taking care of the kids. And everyone's supposed to be in bed by 8.30. I'm traveling. I walk into the airport. My flight to JFK, my flight to LaGuardia is taking off in half an hour. I look at the board. There's a flight going to JFK leaving right now. I'm like, oh, this is the benefits of living in the five towns. I jump on the plane. I get on JFK. And I end up landing in two hours before I was supposed to land. I come in around 9 o'clock until I get the cab, the car. I pull into my house. It's a quarter to 10. And I'm expecting my house to be silent. You know where this is going, because it happened in your house. I walk into my house, and it is pandemonium. I mean, there's ice cream out. The kids are rocking. It's like, forget no bass. There's no homework. It is kids. I think there are other kids that came into the house. Just, I think we created kids. Madness. So I got to go into, like, disciplinary daddy mode, which I hate. I like being the sugar daddy. And I come in and I got to take care of this and this and yell at this and take this. And, you got, and everyone's defensive. And after a half an hour of cleanup and cries and it's not fairs and whatever it is, finally the house calms down. 
my oldest son said something to me that I'm telling you, it was worth all of that tsaris just for that one line out of my one sign up. One of the greatest bits of nachas I've ever got in my life from him. He said to me at the end, he goes, Daddy, I'm sorry. I said, it's okay. He goes, no, I want to tell you why I'm sorry. You once told me that whenever you travel, you hate coming home and being a disciplinarian. I hate being that guy. When I'm traveling, I don't want my kids to ever hear the key in the door and be like, uh-oh. I want it to be daddy's home. So I hate coming home and having to discipline the minute I come home from a road trip. Because you once told me that you hate feeling like that guy. And because I didn't do my job, you had to be that guy. I'm sorry for you. And for the first time in my life, my kid was sorry, not for himself, not for the stuff that he wanted. He understood that my natural inclination is to give. If I'm not giving, it's because there's a problem that may not just be me. And my son was sorry. He worried about me. Moshe Rabbeinu turns to Kodesh Baruch and goes, wait a second. Wait a second. You know what the problem was? We were worried about going to Eretz Yisrael because we were worried about ourselves. It didn't work out. We were scared. We were, we were scared that there was going to be too many people. They were going to kill us. We were worried that we weren't going to make it. We looked at the entire prism of Eretz Yisrael as how it looks for me. And it's not fair that we can't just roll into a country. It's not fair that I have to fight. It's not fair that I have to have tsaris. And we approached you, Hashem, from the prism of how life looks through me and what I need. And Moshe said, I am coming in front of you, Hashem. I'm not going to argue more for me. You know what this is for? This is for you. We're here for you. Don't worry about us. You know what gives us the greatest nachas? When we represent you. When we're a nation that binds together so that you look good in the world. Like what you just heard? Hear the rest of that share and much more on OUTorah.org or by using the OUTorah app for iOS and Android.